Would you all pray with me? Father, we thank you for that truth. And God, we thank you that we can celebrate this evening, Lord, the, the great birth of your son, Jesus. And Father, we thank you that what the angels spoke of and what the shepherds heard, Lord, was good news. Some 2,000 years later, Lord, that we can hear this good news again and again and again. And Father, we could rejoice. And so as we take this moment, Lord, to hear from you and your word, we ask that you would speak to us. As we would collectively in this room, no matter what our journey is, how much we know of you, Father, it is clear that this is Christmas time. So, Father, we ask that your spirit would be with us, that your spirit would guide us, and your spirit would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to welcome you guys. Uh, my name is Ricardo. If this is your first time here, uh, this is a Christmas Eve service for us, which is always a little unique. Uh, I think the guys did a great job uh, just singing right now. And uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas time is one of my favorite times for uh, a bunch of reasons. But even here at the church, it's, it's a lot of fun for me because it's an opportunity to see a lot of people that are in town that are not usually here. Uh, another reason is for the first time in all of the, like the whole year, people not only show up on time, um, show up early, which is amazing. Uh, so it is a special, it's a special time for us. Um, we normally don't wear sport, sports coats and ties. In fact, I don't even own a sports coat. This is not even mine. Um, I borrowed it. I'm not ashamed. Just keep it real. Um, in fact, the guy I borrowed from is a lot smaller than me. So if I get going and I start preaching and my, my, my jacket rips, it's evidence that the spirit is at work amongst us, right? So... Um, no need for you guys to have your Bibles. We're going to have the scriptures on the screen for us tonight and just spend a short time talking about what you already know what we're going to talk about. Um, it's kind of like Christmas Eve and Christmas is like Easter. Um, you, you come knowing. I mean, even if, it, even if you've never been to a church service or you've never been to a Christian church, you kind of know the time. Like this is Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. And it is a celebration. It is something that we should be excited about. In fact, the scripture that we come from this evening is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Let me read it in its entirety. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Um, this scripture here, as we look through the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's a few things we can see about this. And what I want to focus on is uh, primarily verse 10, when the angels say that, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I'm convinced that Christmas is the time of good news. No matter all of the things that surround Christmas, the shopping, the last-minute shopping, the gifts, Christmas, first and foremost, is good news. It's not good advice. It's not something that we need to do. It's not something that we have done. It's something that Christ Jesus has come to do on our behalf. That God did the unimaginable, the unthinkable, that he put on flesh and he entered into this world. Christmas is the time that we celebrate the greatest gift ever, and that is us receiving Jesus. 
Um, Christmas is a time that we spend with one another. Christmas is a time that we're with people whom we love. And, and for my family, particularly, we celebrated Christmas this morning with our kids. Uh, early in the morning, we're going to leave and go to San Francisco, so we're able to have Christmas. And it, it was the first time in my household that we actually enjoyed Christmas. I think that my kids actually knew what was going on. Well, the youngest one had no idea what was going on, but the oldest one knew what was going on. And as I was watching them open up their presents, I knew what he wanted, and we got one thing that he wanted. Um, Everything else was like, no, we're not going to have a horse. We're not going to have a tractor. (laughs) There's no need for any of those things, right? Um, But watching his face just light up. And that's what we are about gifts. Um, We love getting gifts. But I do think the gospel is something way better than that. I mean, we know that. But, But here's what I mean. You think about some of the best gifts you've ever gotten. Just, just, just think about them. And do you still have them? Are they, are they still just as powerful to you? Probably not. And if some of you in here say, oh, it was, it was my firstborn child, whatever. We're not talking about you right now. <laughs> Trying to make a point here. Don't, don't, don't get in the way. Um, when I, I've shared this before. My, my favorite Christmas ever, um, and it's, it's funny. It's not just mine, my brother and my sister. Uh, my sister was actually in town yesterday for the past few days from California. And we we're talking about the Christmas when we were kids and my dad brought snow. It was awesome. It was the first time that we'd ever had a white Christmas, uh, that there was snow in the front yard because he had driven up to the mountains and came back and dumped snow there so that me, my sister, all of our friends in the neighborhood can play with snow. Like, we were finally, for the first time, the cool kids. It's like, oh, that's snow? Yeah, that's ours. You can play with it. <laughs> After a few hours, the snow was gone. Another thing that I, I always wanted for Christmas was the, uh, the power wheels. Um, I don't know if you guys are, they're like, you can have a little Jeep uh, or a little car, the little power wheels. It was great. Um, but, you know, we outgrow those things. It would be, it'd be very weird if you guys showed up and you saw me just parking my, parking my, <laughs> something's wrong with our pastor, right? Something's wrong with them. We outgrow these things. The, the fear that I have, and I'm sure many pastors have throughout the world when it comes to days like Easter, when it comes to days like Christmas Eve and Christmas, is that we want something new. We want something uh, newer than what has already been given to us. Uh, it, it is true, and it's totally okay for us to outgrow some of the gifts that we've had as kids. And even some of the gifts that we've had that we were going to receive tomorrow, that we're going to outgrow those things. But the good news of Jesus Christ is something that we can never outgrow. The good news of Jesus Christ, for those of us in this room who would call upon Christ as our Lord and Savior, this good news is not something that we need to wait for something else to happen. This was the inauguration of God restoring or bringing in his kingdom and through Jesus Christ. This baby that would come, this baby that the angels talked about, that the shepherds, these shepherds would go and find this little bitty baby. That it was God's baby, fully man, fully God, who came to undo the curse that our father Adam had brought into this world. That you and I, by nature and by choice, are sinners. That we were stuck in a position that we could not fix. We needed more than just a normal gift. We needed a Savior. And God, in his infinite love for us, decided to send us a Savior. And the way that he decided to do it was not the way we try to trick kids or the way we were to try to have the aha moment. It was in the most unlikely way that he would show up to a poor mother in a poor community in an obscure place. You know the story. There was no place in the inn. He gets born in a manger with, with, with absolutely stinky animals around him. This is God. He leaves heaven to show up to a place like that in order to save people like you and I who spend so much time trying to get together, look good, 
borrowing little guys' jackets. <laughs> God came to this world to do something. I think what what the Gospel of Luke gives us in talking about this good news, this good news of Jesus, one, the angel gives us perspective that I think will be healthy for us. I think the shepherds give us something of an expectation, and then the host of angels, they give us a response, because I do believe that the good news of Jesus Christ demands a response. Um, First, the perspective. Here's what the angel says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, this is verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I'm glad Luke wrote that in there because you have these shepherds. And, and if you don't know what a shepherd is, a shepherd is a person who watches sheep. Um, that's what they do. They're not used to just hanging out and watching angels come by. Um, I know for a fact, I, I love Jesus Christ. He's my savior. I'm going to be with him forever. If an angel showed up right now, I'm out, right? Like out. Like where'd Ricardo go? He left us, right? That's a freaky situation, right? An angel shows up, and so the shepherds see this angel, and Luke writes, there's great fear. It's like, no joke. There's fear. And the angel comes and says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't even worry about it. I have good news for you. And for the angels to say that, that means a lot. You see, what we know from angels from the Bible is that they've existed for a long time. They've seen God face to face. They've seen the Father. They've seen the Son. They've seen the Spirit. Um, if you were tracking with us for weeks and weeks, we went through the book of First Peter. And First Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it, it talking about this gospel, this good news of God giving his son Jesus to reconcile sinners to himself. Um, it says about this gospel that the angels long to look upon it. There's, there's a picture of the angels stooping in, looking at what God in Christ Jesus is going to do for us. There's a perspective of the gospel of if the angels who have seen God for ages and ages and ages and are watching his plan unfold in the gospel, if they never get bored of it, they never get sick of it, they're singing about it, they're longing to look into it, how much more could we, who've only been around for a little bit, and the Bible says we'll only be around for a little bit, could not get excited again and again and again about our Savior? I'm convinced that the angels are able to see something that we cannot see. In fact, I liken to G.K. Chesterton, who talks about how children can get this. In our 5 o'clock service, there were kids everywhere. We let the kids come in. I was kind of like trying to be like my savior. Bring the kids to me in the front. Really, I was like, shut your kids up right now. <laughs> there was, it, it was great to have these kids in here. And, and, and G.K. Chesterton, I'm going to read this quote in a second, talks about how kids don't get sick of things like the way that we do. We all want something new, but when a kid sees something that they like, they cling to it. And this makes sense for me as a father. It can make you, for someone who's ever watched a kid, if you've seen a kid, you know how it is with kids. They want you to do the same things over and over and over and over again. And you're looking like, aren't you sick of this? And it's like, no, play that movie again, right? It's like, how many times can you see this? You know what happens, all right? They love it. And in fact, here's what G.K. Chesterton talks about. He says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. 
It may be that he has the eternal appetite of empathy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. What G.K. Chesterton writes there, what he, what, he, what he poses for us there is what children are able to see and what the angels are able to see and what God himself understands is that when the angels talk about this good news, that when we come to a service like today, we, we should be ready to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That, that there is a perspective here that what we have given to us freely through the birth of Jesus Christ is something that we could have not earned. It's something that we couldn't have prayed for. It's something God and his good grace and his love for us had to give us. But it's not just a perspective of the gospel. I think the way we can understand the gospel or the good news being good news, we have to understand the backdrop. You see, the shepherds that the angels are talking to, they're they're just normal men. Um, They're just normal people like you and I, yet they they have a different history that maybe we don't know as much. Um, Meaning these were Jewish men. They grew up in Jewish culture, meaning their their, um, perspective and even expectation of the Messiah was a a little bit more clutch. They wanted him to come. They had no idea exactly who it would be. They had no idea that when the angel was saying, unto you a child is born, I don't think they knew that it was God with them. You see, they had had the law, the law of God, which was holy, which was perfect, which was good. The law of God, which was something that God had given to man to say, here is the standards of living. Here's what it means to be truly human, is to live upon these beautiful standards. And yet, if you grew up in Hebrew culture, if you grew up looking at the laws, one thing you knew is you could not live up to that standard. And what the angels said when they said, here's good news, it wasn't another law. They also had examples throughout their their history, which we read in the Old Testament. There were good examples, even godly examples of men and women. Um, We see that in Genesis 3.15, God himself promised that there would be a seed that would come. And this particular seed would bring about good news. And so they hoped, when is this seed going to come? And they had people like Abraham. And they had people like Moses. And they had people like David. But by the end of their history, by the end of the Old Testament, what we see is the same situation was there. Is that man is a sinner, God is holy, and that man can't do anything to reconcile himself to a holy God. We see God definitely dispensing his grace, protecting his people. Yet man has a fundamental problem. Just like our father Adam and our mother Eve, we naturally rebel in different ways. And so when the angel said it was good news... They weren't just saying it was another law, and they weren't saying it was another example. It it was actually good news. Good news is much different than good advice. The angels were not telling them, this is what you need to do to make sure that you can be right with God. The angels weren't saying, hey, go find this baby, do these few things, and now you will know that you stand righteous before a holy God. What the angels were saying is the same thing we try to preach here every week, is that God has done something significant. That he's undone, he's, he, he came to undo what Adam did. Adam, through his sin, brought curse upon us all. But what the, what the gospel lets us know is that Jesus now went on a tree to become a curse for us, to reverse that curse. That he, as a baby, came to go to the cross to die for our sins and for every single person in this room and in this world who would place faith in him and by faith alone. That not only did this good news come to these shepherds and to all of us in this Christmas season 2,000 years ago um, to undo what Adam did, but also to do far more. We said it before, Adam had the ability in himself to do all that God had required him to do. But when he sinned, we all sinned with him. Therefore, there was righteous justice and wrath coming, and Jesus took that wrath 
But there's another thing that God required of us, and that is complete righteousness. You see, Adam was in that position where if he would have obeyed, things would have been great. But if he would have sinned, death came into this world. But now in Christ Jesus, this good news that the angels talk about, because Jesus came as a baby and went to the cross and to the tomb, that now we are no longer in the position that Adam were in. God has called us to be righteous, and every single person in this room would say, yeah, but I don't have that type of righteousness. And you'd be right. But the righteousness that God expects from us now, Christ himself lives that perfect life for us. The good news of the gospel is not only that Jesus died for us, but Jesus lived for us. So by faith in Christ Jesus, you and I, we stand perfect and holy before God. Our obedience in itself is not to earn righteousness before God. The good news is that God came down in the flesh in Christ Jesus and obeyed all that we should have done. And he offered his record to God. And so now God completely accepts us, not because of what we've done, but because what Jesus has done. And the, 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 the perspective of the angels lets us know, one, we should never get sick of this good news. But we see the expectation of the shepherds that this has been a long time coming for them and a long time coming for us. And it's already come that we can look back and see what God did. And the last thing is, is a response. Whenever you hear about Jesus, there's a response. There's a response to remember him. There's a response to worship him. There's a response to obey him. That if we say joy to the world and we sing Merry Christmas to one another, and we sing Silent Night, we say unto us a child is born, those are just words. But what those words mean to us, what those words, what they flow out of is an understanding of grace. And the people who sing the most here were actually the angels. Look what it says here in verse 13. It says, And suddenly there was an angel, the angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Meaning, not only did the one angel came to bring news, that, that he brought the rest of the, the, rest of the angels, a holy, a holy host of angels just singing to God. That they're able to continue to keep singing um, because there's something of this good news that it demands a response. And not just a response from the angels, but it demands a response from us. You see, personally, I grew up hearing this message. I grew up going to plenty, more than enough Christmas Eve services. I was in Christmas plays since I think I was baby Jesus all the way to, 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 to Joseph, from Joseph. I think I was Satan once. I mean, I was, in, I, was, I was in all types of Christmas plays. It wasn't until about eight or nine years ago that I got it. And the first Christmas I was able to celebrate to realize that this baby came for me. And that response is a response that is far more genuine than just singing a song. It's far more genuine than signing a card. It's far more real than anything that we can expect. When the angels had a response here, there's, there's, a, there's a, some words here that we, we cannot overlook. Um, because when we talk about Jesus loving all, he does love all. When we talk about joy to the world, he did bring joy to the world. When we said that he's going to come and rescue, restore, and renew, he will. But, but here's what Luke says here. That the angel said. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those and with whom he is pleased. Meaning the peace that he brings is only going to be with those in whom he is pleased. And so the question has to be, okay, with whom is he pleased? With, 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 with what type of people? What type of lifestyle? If you were here yesterday, we said um, there are some jacked up people in the Bible. And so it can't just be people who have had their, their act together. Who are the people in whom God is pleased with that he's going to bring peace? I'll tell you, it's every single man and woman who responds to the gospel with repentance and faith. 
When you read throughout the scriptures, every single man, every single woman, every single boy, and every single girl who sees the gospel and responds to it, repentance and faith, God is pleased with that. He's pleased with the faith that he gives us to be able to believe in the gift that he's given us. And so it is the greatest exchange that you can ever imagine. That the way that we become Christians, the way that we grow as Christians, the way that we respond to this gospel is that we have this exchange with God. It's almost, almost too good to be true, right? You ever been to a white elephant gift party? You know how that's like. It's like you bring like, oh, bring this candle, right? And you blow it out, you wrap it up, and then someone has something way better. And you're like, I want to trade with that guy, right? I remember bringing a deck of cards and someone had a samurai sword. And I thought, yes, Lord right now when 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 the gospel says that that to those whom he's pleased it's us showing up and what we show up with is our sin and god is there with salvation god is there with salvation through his son and the greatest exchange ever is us saying would you take this and then can we have that and we didn't trick god this was his plan before the ages began, that you and me, that every single person would come to him with one thing, and that is our sin, trusting that the exchanges, he would give us his son, and that we would have his son wrapped around us in righteousness, that we would have his son's blood dripping over us, cleansing us of our sin, that we would have his son as our older brother in which we were adopted into the family of God, that we would have his son as our Lord, as our Savior, as our ruler. And so when we talk about Christmas being about a gift, Jesus Christ truly is the greatest exchange and the greatest gift we can ever have. Amen? And it demands a response, a response of all of us, not just a part, but every single ounce. That's truly what it means when we say Merry Christmas. So, Merry Christmas. Let's pray.